0: "'Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse." Those are the opening lines to the poem originally titled A Visit from St. Nicholas, but it's more commonly known as Twas the Night Before Christmas." The poem was published anonymously in 1823, but it was later attributed to the poet Clement Clark Moore, and it chronicles one father's encounter with Santa Claus during a Christmas Eve. The poem, it... It evokes a sense of anticipation and expectation and joy and whimsy. Feelings that so often come to characterize Christmas for so many, particularly the young. Even the opening lines, the, the opening scene, the quiet house, then disturbed ever so slightly by hoofbeats from reindeer. Twas the night before Christmas. Growing up, my family uh, had a tradition of reading this poem. My dad would read it to us, and now I read it to my children. It's a way of uh, readying ourselves for the festival that would unfold the next day on Christmas. It was a kind of preamble, a prologue to the celebration of gifts and feast and family and remembering that Christmas Day would bring forward in the first light of the next day.
1: Mary, the mother of Jesus, had her own poem that she recited in anticipation of Jesus's arrival. In Luke's gospel, in the opening chapter, Mary is visited by an angel. The angel has a name, Gabriel, and Gabriel tells Mary that he has good news, that God has chosen her to be the one through whom the Savior of the whole world would come. This is surprising news. unsettling news, even as it is wonderful news. Nevertheless, Gabriel says to Mary, Do not be afraid. Words that God had said to his people throughout the Old Testament, words that Jesus would often repeat to his disciples. Gabriel says, Do not be afraid. And then goes on to tell Mary that she has found favor in God's sight And that God is with her. He tells her that the new baby is to be called Jesus, a name that means God saves or in God is salvation. Mary would also come to learn that hers wasn't the only miraculous pregnancy in the family but that her cousin Elizabeth was also pregnant. It was an act of God though because Elizabeth had been infertile her whole life and was now past childbearing years, and yet the same angel, Gabriel, appears to Elizabeth and her husband, alerting them to the news that they would bear a child. Theirs wouldn't be a savior, but rather a prophet, John the Baptist, who would foretell of Jesus' impending arrival. Mary and Elizabeth were close, and Mary would stay with Elizabeth for a number of months prior to Jesus' birth. And it was during this time In these days and months leading up to Jesus' arrival, leading up to that first advent, that Mary sang a song that is recorded in verses 46 to 55 in Luke 1. A song that captures so much of the hope and the anticipation and joy and expectation that hung in the air surrounding this young mother-to-be.
0: Over the past month at Christ City, we've been exploring the women of Advent, the women mentioned in Jesus' genealogy as outlined in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 1, five women are named, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, and Mary. And over the past four weeks, we've looked at each of their stories and considered how these four mothers of Jesus all pointed towards Jesus and towards hope and the salvation that is ultimately found in him. Tonight, we want to conclude that series and this evening with Mary. There's certainly a lot uh, that should be and could be said about this amazing woman. Mary was a young, unwed mother facing a future of uncertainty and ridicule, if not all-out exile. She would have to flee her home country as a refugee and seek asylum in Egypt, as so many of her ancestors did generations prior to her own. Decades later... Mary's there at the cross, a despondent mother, a widowed mother of a convicted criminal an unjustly executed victim of the state. As Pastor Justin has noted elsewhere, there is a strange symmetry to her being an unwed mother at the beginning of her story and a widowed mother at the end. A sobering reminder to us that even in the midst of salvation stories... Any given point in that story and our story can look dire and without hope if we were to stop there. Mm. Mary's surrounded by gossip and whispers about her reputation at the beginning and the end and in the middle too. Jesus wasn't always a polite observer of social, cultural, or religious norms. So often parents feel the societal sting and judgment of blame for their children's behavior even when their children are grown. Mm. It can also be a beautiful exploration to consider Mary as a mother, imagining what Jesus might have learned from her. How much was Jesus like his mother? What characteristics of hers did he pick up? What mannerisms? What habits? What quirks? What passions or values or dreams did Jesus embody but that he caught from his mother, Mary? We owe so much of our faith and life to Mary, but tonight on this Christmas Eve, let us hear straightway from her words. Let's return to her song of anticipation.
1: The song in this passage is often referred to as Mary's Magnificat, which is simply the first word of the song in Latin, my soul magnifies. What we find in these words of Mary is a prayer, a poem, and a hope, an ache if you will. She begins My soul glorifies, or my soul magnifies, the Lord. She worships. She turns her attention to the goodness of God and the ways that God has been gracious and loving towards her. She acknowledges that God has turned his eye and his attention to her, though she is not one of noble birth, nor of importance, as the world might measure importance. And yet Mary notes that God the Mighty One, has done great things for me. Mary's expectant hope is bound up in the truth that God has been gracious to her. Personally, intimately, God has been near to her even in the humbleness of her days and years. In the quietness of her living, the God of all the universe knows her and has shown delight over her. Perhaps you need Mary's Christmas Eve poetry. Maybe it strikes you in some way personal, near to your heart. Way. Maybe you need to know that God sees you and that God delights over you. Yes, there is a pandemic raging. Yes, there's ongoing war and violence and a climate crisis, and you don't want trouble. You don't want to trouble God with your concerns. But still, God. Can you hear my prayers? Can you see me in the midst of a world on fire? Mary's response to you this night of all nights is, yes, child, your heavenly Father sees you, loves you, calls you blessed, and rejoices over you.
0: Yet Mary's song isn't only a song about her personal Savior. It's a song about a community's hopes. Mary isn't content to only have her spiritual needs met, but her gaze lifts beyond herself to consider the wider community of which she is a part and a deeper community in which she stands as a member. She celebrates a God whose mercy rests not only on her, but also extends from generation to generations. She remembers that God helps individuals, yes, but also shows compassion to communities. He's helped his servant, Israel, which is to say God has helped those who are a part of his ever-expanding kingdom and to the descendants. Mary is highlighting the widening and deepening and communal nature of God's love and God's care and God's rescue. In a culture bent on individual expression and rights, Mary's words Uh, they, They call to us to care for the collective, to pray for the community, and to celebrate the common. Mary is singing an ancient version of the New Testament's exhortation to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. She's singing over us a reminder that we are called to care for others and intertwine our lives with the lives of others because they are those for whom God likewise cares and likewise delights and likewise loves and likewise blesses. God is personal, and God is communal.
1: Like all of the women in our Advent series, like Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba, Mary is an oppressed, marginalized woman. She is young, unmarried, living in a region under foreign rule and domination. She is marginalized gender-wise, ethnically, economically, religiously, and she lives among a people who are also living in hostile, oppressive days. Mary, along with all of Israel, is longing for the dawn to rise on their freedom. They are praying for liberation. That ache is articulated in Mary's song. She is celebrating the God who is just. She's awaiting the day of salvation when unjust rulers will be brought down from their unjust thrones. She is longing for a day when the hungry are filled, with good things, and when the proud are scattered. Hers is an echo of what the prophet Isaiah sang generations earlier about the coming of Messiah when the prophet foretold that a child would be born, and the government would be on his shoulders, and he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and the greatness of his government and peace will be no end. This Christmas Eve, with all that is swirling in our world and the parade of injustice in our city, in our nation, perhaps these are Mary's words that bring balm to your soul, a reminder that Jesus' shoulders are broad and strong enough to carry your righteous longings for a righteous God to bring forward a just world. You sing with Mary in contemporary language, God, Our hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight.
0: As we make our way through this Christmas Eve, it is right and good for us to pause and consider Mary's words on her Christmas Eve. For Mary is speaking to us tonight, reminding us that God is a God who is near to us, Mm -hmm. personal to us. And that God is not only for us, but for others as well. Our glad tidings and well-being are bound up in the well-being of others. And Mary is reminding us that in Advent, what we are anticipating is the arrival of a Savior who is just who is working to right that which is wrong in us and in the world, a savior who is coming to usher in a just and glorious kingdom, a kingdom in which no one is lost, no one is left broke or broken, a kingdom of hope, joy, love, and peace, a kingdom without end.
1: Today we light the Christ candle and we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the coming of God's light to earth and the presence of our creator among us in a new way. May you experience the light of Christ in you this Christmas. Merry Christmas to all. To all, a good night.